Thank you. Right. Bit of a bit of a juggling act here, isn't it? Trying to make sure things don't fall off. Right. So um, let's just pray for a minute. Oh Lord Jesus, you are so gracious and so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this time together today. Thank you for that absolutely wonderful worship time we had at the beginning. Thank you so much, Lord, for Nena's talk and, and the challenge to watch, watch our lips and watch our mouths and how we counsel people and the counsel that we receive. Lord, be with us now in the power of your spirit and, Lord, open our hearts to what you have to say to each one of us. Amen. Amen. I'm going to try to hold this totally still so we don't get that funny noise behind me. Um, so Nena asked me to give a talk. I said, oh, gosh, I've never actually given a proper long talk like Bev's about to do when Nena's done. I said, but I can share. I can share from um, just experience of life. But I'm very aware that probably every single one of you could actually stand up here and share God's goodness and answers to prayer and things. So I just I offer what I've got. Please just remain open to the Lord of what he wants to say to you, nudge you about, remind you or encourage you with, hopefully. So to give you a bit of background, I'll give you a little bit of where I've come from. And then I've got three particular areas of, I suppose, life of the Lord I've learned so far, so far. So I was very blessed in that I grew up in a Christian family. Both my parents were believers and all four grandparents, I think, were believers. My dad was in the Navy, so we travelled around a lot. Um, And uh, so our family life was important because you've only got each other when you travel around. Um, So I was taught the Bible and prayers from a very early age. And I remember when I was probably less than three, because I remember the house, I had two older brothers, and they did Bible reading with Dad at night time, and they were a lot older than me, and I was so jealous. I'm not sure if I was jealous of the Bible reading or the time with Dad, but one or the other. So Sunday school, lots and lots of Sunday school, different places. And um, I believe I knew Jesus really right from the start, and I believe that children can they really, really can from the womb up onwards. But when I was seven, I officially gave my life to Jesus, as my mother explained to me. Um, it's good to maybe have that prayer of saying, okay, Jesus, I want you to be my friend. It was two years later, I um, went on a Bible camp, nine years old. And I didn't know anybody else there, um, but it was a, a fun thing to do. And one night the speaker was telling us about um, knowing Jesus. And I thought, oh, I've done that. I know that. And then he said, but for some of you, you may have been taught about Jesus and feel you know him as a friend. But you may not have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit transforming your life and in your heart. And at that, I thought, I don't know about that bit. And uh, so uh, I decided I'll ask one of the leaders to just say a prayer for me. And it was a very powerful occasion that I knew God was there. I knew he was my heavenly father and he loved me. And my passion since that moment is for everyone else to experience that. 
So my passion for you today is for if you have already experienced God's Holy Spirit touching you, that you will again, again, be refilled, refilled. And if you haven't, that you will. And uh, that you'll have that passion to go out and, and pray for others as well. So as a teenager, I went to boarding school for seven years, uh, which is a good place to test if it was real or not. A lot of teasing. I mean, I try to keep it secret as much as possible, but um, you get known. <laughs> um, a lot of teasing, you know, a lot of opposition. Um, but annual Bible camps kept me close to the Lord, kept my faith alive and strong, and uh, helped me in those years. And also as a teenager, I read, I read stories. There's nothing like reading accounts of other people's um, experiences, like Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles into uh, Russia. Was it Russia? Thank you. Um, I was captivated by that. Connie, Connie, Corrie, Corrie Ten Boom. Uh, Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong. Phenomenal stories. And yes, of course, you come away thinking, whoa, well, that's them, not me. I could never do that. And I still believe I couldn't do that. Um, but you realise it's, it's, it's God. It's not them, and it's just their faithfulness to him. But that's inspirational. And what's inspirational is these are different people at different times in different places doing these things, which means, of course, it's God doing these things and God having his way in them through them. So as a teenager at camp, one of the songs we used to sing was, I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. Do you remember that? I can see a nod there. I want to serve the purpose of God while I am alive. I want to give my life for something that will last forever. Oh, I delight. I delight to do your will. And then the chorus goes, what is on your heart? Show me what to do. Let me know your will and I will follow you. And I have an increasing vision and Nena alluded to it just then. I don't want to be, I tell you, I don't want to put any fear into one. Please don't receive this in any way fear, but we could die at any moment. And that feeling of um, our life here in a way is a preparation for for life with the Lord forever. I once heard a talk and the man said, you know how a baby in the womb, we, we understand, sort of aware of a bit of light coming through, I think, the skin, and, and can hear be muffled noises, the mother's voice or noises from outside, and I think some mothers play music to their babies, don't they, in, their, in the womb. But it's all muffled. And when that baby is born, it then experiences the harsh reality or the clear reality of the light and the sound. And he said, that's how it is with us. Our, our life now, we're just in the womb in one sense. I mean, it does matter. That I don't get me wrong, it doesn't matter. But heaven's going to be so much more real, so much more closer to the Lord. Um, and that feeling of giving your life for something that will last forever, serving the Lord, um, and say, our life now does matter, but actually... It's not all about fulfillment now. It's not all about me, me, me now. And it saddens me when I meet people who panic that they're not fulfilled now. I hope I'm explaining myself properly because this isn't really what it's all about. I might come back to that. Okay. Um, As an adult, 
Uh, I married Roger when I was 18, so quite young, um, and we joined an ecumenical Christian community in London. Ecumenical means Christians of every denomination, so it was 60% Roman Catholic, um, Church of England, Baptist, I think two Orthodox, uh, Evangelical, just free Evangelical, um, there may have been some others, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but the purpose was that you belonged to your church and you served in your church. But then on Sunday afternoons, we met together for charismatic prayer and worship, community living, supporting each other. And that was extremely formational for me. Um, we, you know, a lot of good talks, a di- discipleship. And you learnt about uh, prayer, fasting, hospitality service. And we had three daughters and they had their first few years in that environment. Very, very good. And then we left London, Roger became ordained, and the story goes on. But while we were in the community, we had a a quite large house in London. We had lodgers living with us. We had four young people, well, so in their 20s, permanently, and then we had a spare room, so three others came, like, for a month at a time, uh, at different times. I learnt a lot through that. Uh, a lot about sacrifice, but blessing, blessing in the giving, um, boundaries. I will again refer to that again in a minute. Okay, so very briefly, this is my background. The three things I particularly want to emphasize are um, the importance, what I've learned, the importance of the habits of discipleship. So, I say daily Bible reading, and I mean daily Bible reading, but please don't get me wrong. There are days I forget to do it, or I don't have time. <laughs> so I don't want. And I think also we can get almost sometimes superstitious that you know if you haven't done your daily Bible reading, it's all going to go wrong. No, it doesn't work like that, does it? Um, but have the idea of I know following Bible notes or these apps on our phones or whatever it may be. Read the Bible, but with a commentary as well. Um, that, uh, so uh, daily Bible reading and then teaching the children and as ours entered early teen years we found some youth Bible notes which were brilliant and, um, and so we said to the girls right, okay, for us it was 8 o'clock 8 o'clock you have to be at the breakfast table we don't care if you're still brushing your hair you can bring your hair and we just carve out that time together um, of praying and reading the Bible together most days it happens, not every day, but most days. Uh, so teaching your children habits and, uh, and all that. Right, moving to the second one, the power and importance of prayer. And this is an absolute passion of mine. So I was introduced when I, my children were young to this book by an American lady called Stormy O'Martian, or O'Martian, I think, The Power of a Praying Parent. Um, it is very American. Uh, which means she uses phrases that you think, well, quite a British phrase, <laughs> you know, but that's okay. But my goodness, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, it teaches you to pray about all the little details because I think we often pray in crises from our heart. Um, when you've got that crying out prayer to God because something's going wrong. But what this taught me was... Um, Praying anyway, crying from the heart for those sort of building blocks. Um, 
one of the first chapters, releasing my, God, my child into God's hands, remembering they're not actually yours, they're given to you from the Lord. Um, securing protection from harm, maintaining good family relationships, praying that they would be the person God created them to be, praying that they would follow the truth and reject lies, etc., etc. Um, building that in. Uh, and it's like as a foundation. Of course, they choose their own way, don't they? They choose their own way later on, but praying in that foundation. And that became a revelation to me. We've been married 10 years. My husband was irritating me. I thought I might get a few smiles. And uh, life was a bit of a grind, to be honest. The kids were, I don't know what they were, two, four, six or something. Um, and I was sitting in church one January, and I remember the Lord convicting me and saying, I want you to pray for Roger in the way you pray for your children. Because my prayer for my kids was passionate. And my, for my husband, I was like, oh, bless him, Lord. <laughs> or whatever it may be. Or change him, Lord. It's usually that, isn't it? Change him, Lord. Um, pray passionately for you. And I suddenly, my eyes were opened, and I thought, of course. I mean, he's, he's a son of God. He's a child of God in the way my children are. So I started to then pray, okay, Lord, I desire good for him. I desire your will to be done within him. None of us are perfect and we all are being transformed and changed. And so I was to pray, okay, Lord, may that happen more. May that happen more. Uh, May what your purposes are be fulfilled within him and through him to other people as well. It was interesting that, obviously, my attitude changed, because I think when you pray for someone, your attitude changes. That helps, doesn't it? But it opened up. We had not seen the call to ordain ministry coming at all. He was a Christian businessman, and we thought that would be it. And about three months later, I'm sorry, forgive me. It's not just because of my prayer, but I think that helps. About three months later, out of the blue, to be honest, a number of things started happening. Things started shifting, started moving. And he, he, you know, went forward for ministry, prayers. Right, within all this, I also fervently believe that, uh, as Paul says in Ephesians, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, again, um, we have nothing to be afraid of. have nothing. But the reality is there is evil. And there are forces of evil that would seek to destroy us. Um, Yeah, I was sharing with Nena how I had um, a very vivid dream. I've had more than one, but one particular vivid dream. uh, The the Lord just revealed to me through it... um, the utter evil all around us but it's the name of Jesus Christ and our prayers, the prayers of the saints that fight, you know, help fight against that so Jesus has won the, the war hasn't he, his death on the cross has won the war but we still have these battles raging um, as part of that um, I, it's been impressed on me only probably in the last sort of 10 years or so so more recently, the importance, um, I believe, of praying on God's armour every day for myself and for my family. And so that's Ephesians 6. And it talks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, shoes of the gospel of peace. And I think that's it. 
but to really pray that on for each one of us. Write some stories. When uh, the children were little, our, our middle one, Christina, our three daughters, middle one, Christina, was quite independent and we lost her a few times. We lost her at a fun fair, which was no joke. It wasn't a nice area. And um, we lost her on the beach. And they've got the water, you've got a crowded beach, stranger danger. So on the beach, it was 20 minutes before we found her. Uh, the fun fair, thankfully, it was only about five minutes before I heard the intercom from the information saying a child was there. And I, as I ran up and down this beach and at the fun fair, I said, Lord, this is why I pray for my children every single day and every single night, because whatever happens, whatever the outcome is, I know you've got her, but please, you know, can we find her? We did. It may not have been, I don't know, but um, I do believe the Lord had her. Something more recently was um, one of our daughters, they're all grown up, they're all in their 20s, um, she moved to London, and in her keenness to know more of the Lord, her hunger, which is fantastic, she got uh, connected to a, a Bible study group. And we thought, oh, sounds great, lovely, good. What's the group, darling? And she said, oh, it's the name. She said, his name. I said, oh. Uh, what church are they belonging to? Oh, no, 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 it's all, no church. It's all a bit vague. We kept pressing, and she got stuck in very defensive. And I said, so I thought, I, okay, back off, back off, back off. I said, oh, well, what are you studying? And it was the Bible. It was great. It sounded amazing. But just a few things alerted me. And I couldn't quite, neither Roger or I could put our finger on it. And uh, just that daily prayer of gird us round, Lord, with your belt of truth became my prayer of, Lord, reveal your truth. If there's something, it doesn't quite feel right, I can't put my finger on this, please blow me down. It was a cult that was drawing kids away, very, very serious, and all the churches in London were alerted, and thankfully my daughter was warned in time, you know, and it came out, and it's, it was, God is good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> um, this sounds dramatic, but I just feel, you know, we really are in a battle just want to encourage you in your prayers okay personally so there are different sides those are prayers that were answered and turned out well I had another one that was a bit more of waiting I went through quite a few years of I would say blackness I I don't know about depression I, I don't know what people experience we're not each other are we we don't know what other people experience so I for me it was blackness and just yeah, started in London with those years of all the people living in our house was amazing but such a strain a very very big strain and I thought God wanted me to do it so rather than speaking up and saying I can't cope I just carried on thinking it was God's will so that was a strain more and more other things happened and I remember going to church each Sunday after a couple of years crying out to God for healing, for release, for something to shift. And nothing changed week after week. And I I knew he was good, I knew he was faithful, but it did change eventually. And there was nothing big in the healing. But I think over about another three years or so, gradually, gradually that healing came. So that was like a slow answer to prayer. But thank you, Lord, that happened. And then another prayer that 
I don't know. My, my father had a very large stroke, a huge stroke at age 69, and um, was then bedridden for six, over six years. So he was in a nursing home. And so many lovely friends, Christian friends, came and prayed for him, had um, words of, you know, how he would be healed, and had visions and prophecies and everything. And in my heart, I thought, I just held it for the Lord. I said, Lord, you can do it if you want to, but I don't know. Well, he, no, he, he, never, he never was healed. But the Lord was with us through it, and um, there were blessings in it. Uh, he definitely held us close. But there we are, you know, so Dad died. He didn't get better. Um, but there was blessing in that. God was with us in it. So I do believe prayer makes a difference, even though he didn't heal my dad in a way we would have loved him to have been healed. There was still blessing in there. God was still in it. How am I doing? Okay, I'll wrap it up. <laughs> um, finally, our identity. Does anyone know the story by Max Lucado called You Are Special? It's a, you think it's a children's book and it kind of half is. You do, Bev? Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. So it's, it's oh, I really recommend you get it. Um, you Are Special, Max Lucado, it's not very long. And it's about these little wooden people called Wemmicks. And the woodcarver has made, made them all. Oh dear, I don't want to spoil the story for you. Do I spoil the story? <laughs> no, you're not going to say. Um, the woodcarver is, is a picture of God the Father. And the Wemmicks are us. And one thing the Wemmicks do is they go around and they stick gold stars on each other. And they stick black spots on each other. And some people have got lots of gold stars, and some have got lots of spots, and some have got a mixture of the two. And this little boy, Wemmick, has mostly black, I think he has only black spots, actually. And he has no self-worth whatsoever. And there's a little girl who doesn't have anything. She's got no stars and no spots. And he says to her, Lucia, that's her name, which means light, why don't you have anything? He said, well, I go to visit Eli, the carpenter, every day. And it's that relationship she, she, ha, relationship she has with the carpenter, her maker, her creator, that tells her she doesn't need to listen to the good things or the bad things. Uh, she is loved by the, her maker. And it's a revelation for this. I've spoiled the story now, haven't I? <laughs> but do read it anyway. Our identity with our Heavenly Father. When we press in to our Father and Jesus and you realise it's nothing to do with you being a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, um, a lawyer, a nurse, a carer, a whatever. It's about your relationship with him and your identity as a daughter of our Heavenly Father. That's, that's the important thing. Right, for, last of all, um, David Watson, who is a, a preacher, uh, wrote a book about his journey with cancer. Um, and he said how at one point in his treatment he was so ill, he was just in the bed. But they, that was a really special time of being so close to Jesus. And when he got a little bit better, he was busy again. And he felt the Lord saying to him, I miss you. I miss that time with you. And God wants us to spend that time with him. So, I will stop there. But thank you for listening. The importance of discipleship habits, prayer, 
and where is our identity? Okay. Thank you. Okay. I've left it on. Shall I turn it off?